0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third and final Bhagavad Gita Sod.
1: This is nearing the end of JT week, and today we are going to do the last third of the 18 chapters of the Bhagavad Gita. In this chapter, we're going to get all the way to the end, where I believe um, Arjuna finally picks up his bow and gets into battle. Thank you everybody who's been sticking around for this three-part series, everyone who's been showing their support and listening. Thank you to the Patreons, who I have not been thanking because this is technically just one big episode. Um, thank you all for your assistance and your help. It does mean the world to me and to Tristan.
0: I will get started with the 13th chapter now. Arjuna said, O Kesava,
1: I would like to know about material nature, the person, the field, the knower of the field, knowledge, and the object of knowledge. The Supreme Lord said, O Arjuna, this body is known as the field. One who knows this field is described by the learned as the knower of the field. O you should also know me as the knower of all fields. This knowledge of the field and of the knower of the field is true knowledge. Now hear from me briefly what this field is, its constitution, transformations, causes and effects, and who the knower of the field is and of his potency. This has been taught in many ways by various sages, the different Vedas, and the aphorisms of this, which is conclusive logic. The five primary elements of ether, air, fire, water, and earth, ego, intelligence, and the unmanifest material nature, the ten senses, the mind, and the five objects of the senses, likes, dislikes, happinesses, unhappinesses, the aggregate, Conscious and determination, all of these are summarily known as
0: the field and its transformations. Desirelessness for honor, pridelessness,
1: nonviolence, forbearance, honesty, service to the spiritual master, purity, stability, self control, detachment from the objects of the senses. Absence of egoism, awareness of the miseries of birth, disease, old age and death, worldly detachment, absence of doting on children, wife, home, constant equanimity in desirable or undesirable circumstances, undeviating pure devotion to me, residing in a solitary place, indifference to mundane association, constancy in self-knowledge and the vision of the goal of true knowledge. All these qualities have been said to denote knowledge. Anything contrary to this is to be considered ignorance. Now I shall describe the object of knowledge, realizing which one attains the
0: nectar of life.
1: Resting in me, it is known as Brahma, eternal, neither being nor non-being. Everywhere are his hands and feet, Everywhere are his eyes, heads, mouths, and ears. He pervades the entire universe. He illuminates all the senses and their functions, yet he is without these senses. He is completely aloof to everything, yet he is the maintainer of all. He is transcendental to the three modes of material nature, yet he is the lord of all qualities. He is situated within and without all moving and stationary beings. Near yet far, subtle, and therefore most difficult to comprehend. Although indivisible, he appears as divided in all beings. He is to be known as the one who manifests, maintains, and devours all beings. He is known as the illuminator of the luminaries, beyond darkness. Situated in the hearts of all beings, it is knowledge, the object of knowledge, reached by knowledge. The field, knowledge, and the object of knowledge have been briefly described by me. Realizing these truths, my devotee attains love for me. Knowing that both the material nature and the person are beginninglessness. And know that the transformations and the transformations of their modes of nature are born of material nature. Material nature is said to be the cause of the production of effect. And cause the person is said to be the cause of condition, both of being an enjoyer or sufferer of happiness and unhappiness, being situated within material nature, a person enjoys the modes born of material nature, his attachment of these modes is the cause of his repeated births in higher and lower species. The supreme person, the witness, sanctioner support guardian, and almighty lord within this body, is known as the Supersoul. Thus, one who truly knows the Supreme Person and material nature within its modes will never in any circumstance have to take birth again. With their pure consciousness, some persons see the Supersoul within the heart, in their meditation. Others perceive him through enlightenment, and yet others by the yoga of selfless action. Further, there are those who, not knowing of these methods, engage in worship by hearing the
0: scriptures. When their faith is deepened by such hearing, they too surpass the mortal plane.
1: O Arjuna, whatever is born in the world, whether moving or stationary, know it to be manifest from the combination of the field and its knower. One who sees the Supreme Lord, situated equally within all beings, as the imperishable within the perishable, such a person sees perfectly. Such a person with a vision of equality, seeing the Lord dwelling in every place alike, does not deceive himself, and thus he attains the supreme destination. He who sees that all actions are brought about only by material nature, sees himself as non-doer. When such an enlightened person realizes that the different types of beings are situated within the one nature, and that all are made manifest from that nature, he attains realization of God. O Arjuna, since the Supersoul is beginningless, transcendental, and inexhaustible, Although also present within the field, he neither acts, nor is he affected by any action. As the most subtle element of space pervades everything, yet it is not tainted by anything, similarly the soul, though pervading the body, isn't tainted. O Bharat, as the one sun illuminates the entire world, The occupier of the field illuminates the entire field. Those who, through the eyes of knowledge, can thus distinguish between the field and the knower, and who can thus know the path of liberation of the living beings from material nature, such persons attain the supreme. The Supreme Lord said, Again I shall describe to you the supreme teaching, the highest of all fields of knowledge knowing which the sages attain the ultimate perfection beyond this plane of existence. By taking refuge in this knowledge, the soul attains to my nature. Then he is neither born in this cosmic manifestation, nor does he suffer death in the cosmic dissolution. O Bharat, I place the seed within my womb of primordial matter from which all living beings take birth. Primordial matter is the original womb of all life forces that are born of the wombs of all species, and I am the seed-giving father. O mighty hero Arjuna, the three modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance, born of material nature, bind the immutable spirit soul within the body. Of these three modes, due to its purity, the mode of goodness is illuminating and wholesome. Conditioning one to happiness and knowledge. Know the mode of passion to be the embodiment of desire. Born of hankering and attachment, it conditions one to action. Know the mode of ignorance, born of darkness, to be the ignorance of all the embodied beings, conditioning them to delusion, laziness, and slumber. The mode of goodness conditions the embodied being to happiness, and the mode of passion conditions him to action, but the mode of ignorance covers his knowledge and traps him in illusion. Goodness overcomes passion and ignorance. Passion overcomes goodness and ignorance, and ignorance overcomes goodness and passion. Each mode, in turn, defeats the others in an unending battle for supremacy. When the gateways of the body are illuminated with knowledge, know this to be the manifestation of the mode of goodness. Know that when the mode of passion predominates in a person, greed, exertion, undertaking of activities, unrest and hankering become manifest. By the influence of the mode of ignorance, all the symptoms of dullness, inactivity, delusion and bewilderness Become manifest. If a person dies in a state of the mode of goodness, he goes to the pure realms which those who have higher knowledge reside. When a person dies in the mode of passion, he takes birth as a human attached to worldly activity. If one dies in the mode of ignorance, he takes birth in the lower species. It is said by the learned that good actions result in purity, passionate actions result in sorrow and ignorant actions lead to darkness. From the mode of goodness, knowledge arises. From the mode of passion, greed, and from the mode of ignorance, delusion, bewilderness, and a lack of knowledge ensue. Persons in goodness ascend, those in passion remain, and the unfortunate, ignorant persons fall. When a person sees the three modes to be the only impetus of the world and knows the Supreme Lord transcendental to the modes, then he comes to love me with devotion. Transcending these modes manifest in the body, he is liberated from the miseries of birth, death, and old age and knows the joy of immortality. Arjuna said, O Lord, what are the symptoms of a person transcendental to these three modes of material nature? How does he behave, and how does he transcend the modes? The Supreme Lord replied, O Pandava, it is said that a person who has transcended the three modes of material nature neither resents, illumination, activation, and delusion when they appear, nor does he hanker for them when they withdraw. Poised in the knowledge that these modes are engaging, he is not distracted by them. He remains unperturbed, unconcerned. Remaining self-satisfied, he sees joy and sorrow
0: equally. He sees earth, rock, or gold with a vision of equality. He is wise, equipoised
1: in desirable and undesirable circumstances, abuse and praise, honor and dishonor. He behaves fairly with friend and foe alike, and he renounces all mundane endeavors. A person who, without deviation, serves me with devotion, transcends the three modes of material nature and becomes qualified to know his internal divine identity. I am the basis of the absolute truth, the inexhaustible nectar, the eternal pastime and the ultimate ecstasy of divine love. The Supreme Lord said, It is said in the scriptures that this material world is like a peephole tree, roots up, branches down, endless yet transient. Its leaves represent the nourishing verses of the Vedas. One who knows this tree is a knower of the scriptures. Some of its branches extend upwards some downwards, and nourished by the three modes of nature, its shoots are the objects of the senses. Some aerial roots also extend downwards, to take root in the land of karma, within the plane of humans. In the human plane, this inverted form of the people tree of this material world is inconceivable. Neither its beginning, nor its middle, nor its end can be perceived from the association of devotees one acquires the sharp axe of detachment from the mundane using this weapon to cut down that illusory tree of one's mundane existence which is sub- stubbornly rooted in aversion to the supreme lord one attains to the plane of no return which is the lotus feet of the lord with pure devotion one should approach the holy lotus feet of the supreme lord vishnu for shelter and pray I surrender unto the original person, the Supreme Lord of all, by whose illusory potency this perpetual tree of the material world has appeared. Free from vanity and delusion, aloof to unholy association, dedicated to self-realization, desireless, liberated from the duality of joy and sorrow, undiluted, those surrendered souls reach the eternal goal. The surrendered souls reach my eternal abode, never to return to this world. Neither sun, nor moon, nor fire, nothing can illuminate that all-illumining supreme abode. The soul is a particle of mine. Although it is eternal, for worldly existence adopts the five mundane senses and the mind, which is the sixth sense. The soul is the master of the body. When it departs the body, it enters another, carrying these subtle senses as the wind carries fragrance from its source. Residing over the ear, the eye, skin, tongue, and nose, and also the mind, the living entity enjoys the sense objects of these senses. Those who are thus deluded cannot see the soul when it is departing the body, residing in the body, or when enjoying through the senses of the body. Those with the eyes of wisdom can see, and the sincere seekers see the soul present within, but the persons of poor understanding and lacking in self-control cannot see the soul, despite the endeavors. The light of the sun illuminates the entire universe. The light of the moon and the radiance of fire know that to be mine. Entering the earth, I maintain all beings by my potency, and in the form of the life-giving moon, I nourish the crops. Entering into the bodies of the living beings as the power of digestion, I digest the flour and of the eatables through the agency of ascending and descending vital airs. I am situated as the Supersoul within the heart of all souls, and from me arises the soul's remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. I alone am the sweet Absolute to be known through all the scriptures. I am the Revealer of the Vedanta,
0: and I am the Knower of the Vedas. In this world, there are two beings, the perishable and the imperishable.
1: All beings from Lord Brahma down to the lowest stationary life forms are perishable. But those who are situated in their eternal spiritual nature are known as imperishable or associates of the Lord. But completely distinct from both these types of beings is the Supreme Person who is known as Paramatma, the Supreme Soul. He is the Lord of all beings. Entering the three worlds in his eternal form, he maintains all beings in the universe. Because I am transcendental to the perishable beings and also superior to my imperishable eternal associates, my glories are sung in the world and in the scriptures as the Supreme Person. One who is free from delusion and knows me as the person of eternal, all-conscious, ecstatic form is the perfect knower of religion, and he worships me in all ways. O pure-hearted Arjuna, I have thus explained to you this most hidden treasure of all the scriptures. Embracing this in their hearts, the persons of fine theistic intelligence attain the
0: perfection of their endeavors. The Supreme Lord said, O Barat, these are the sub-
1: qualities of a sub- person born of a godly nature. Fearlessness, gracious heart, absorption in self-knowledge, generosity, sense control, sacrifice, study of scripture, austerity, sincerity, non-violence, truthfulness, freedom from anger, worldly detachment, tranquility, disinclination to see the faults of others, compassion, freedom from greed, gentleness, modesty, steadfastness, vigor, forgiveness, patience, purity, and freedom from from malice and egoism. O Partha, these are the qualities of a person born of an ungodly
0: nature pride, conceit, egoism, anger, cruelty, and ignorance.
1: The godly qualities have been described as the cause of liberation, and the ungodly have been described as the cause of bondage. O Pandava, do not fear, for you are born of a godly nature. O Partha, in this world the living beings are of two natures, the godly and ungodly. I have elaborately described the godly nature to you, so now hear from me about the ungodly. The ungodly cannot distinguish between right and wrong action. No purity, good practices, or truthfulness can be found in them. The persons of ungodly nature say the world is without truth, it is baseless, godless, and that everything is born of male and female union. They say that life has no purpose beyond lust. Holding such a view, the demons, depraved and of low intelligence, become powerful and engage in cruel, inauspicious acts for the destruction of the world. Giving themselves up to the delusion of insatiable desires for mundane enjoyment, such demons, full of vanity, pride, and arrogance, engage in grave malpractices. Until death, they remain burdened with endless cares. They think that mundane enjoyment is the goal of life. Bound by hundreds of wishes and overcome with desire and anger, they endeavor to amass wealth unlawfully to fulfill their desires. The ungodly say, Today I got what I wanted, and tomorrow I will also get what I want. All this is my wealth, and I will have even more tomorrow. I have destroyed one enemy, and I will destroy others. I am successful, powerful, and happy. I am wealthy and aristocratic. Who can compare to me? I shall perform sacrifice, give charity, and enjoy myself. Thus they are deluded by ignorance. Their minds full of vain thoughts, caught in the net of illusion and engrossed in mundane enjoyment. Such ungodly persons fall to a foul hell. Conceited, obstinate, and intoxicated by wealth and grandeur, ignoring the scriptural injunctions, these demons make a hypocritical show of sacrifice. Given to egoism, pomp and power, lust and anger, they are resentful of me, who am situated in their own and others' bodies as the supersoul. They ascribe faults to the good qualities of the saintly persons. I continually cast these resentful, cruel, inauspicious, and decadent persons into the demoniac species in the cause of birth and death. O Arjuna, repeatedly taking birth in the demoniac species, these deluded persons cannot come to me, and they descend to lower and lower planes. Lust, anger, and greed are the three doors of hell leading to self-destruction, so they must be abandoned. One who is liberated from these three doors of darkness strives for the benefit of the soul, by which he attains me, the supreme destination. One who acts according to his own desires, disregarding the scriptural injunctions, cannot attain perfection, nor happiness, nor the supreme place. Therefore, the scriptural injunctions for duty and non-duty are your authority. Knowing your duty in the world according to the scriptures, you should act accordingly. Arjuna inquired, O Krishna, what is the position of those who worship with faith but ignore the injunctions of the scriptures? Is their faith the mode of goodness, passion, or ignorance? The Supreme Lord said, Faith is of three types. Born of the embodied soul's acquired nature, whether good, passionate, or ignorant. Now, hear of this. The faith of all living beings is governed by their consciousness. The living being possesses faith by constitution. He is that which his faith is. Persons with faith of the nature of goodness worship the gods. Persons with faith of passionate nature worship the yaksa demigods and demons, while those with faith of the nature of ignorance, Worship the ghosts and spirits. Full of pride and egoism, motivated by ambition, attachment, and power, ignorant persons perform severe austerities, unsanctioned by the scriptures, and torture the body's natural elements and the soul within. Know them to be a demoniacal faith. According to the three modes of material nature, there are also three kinds of food preference. In the same way, there are three kinds of sacrifice three kinds of austerity, three kinds of charity. Now hear of these. Foods that increase longevity, vitality, strength, health, happiness, and loving kindness, and which are tasty, succulent, wholesome, and pleasant, are dear to persons of the nature of goodness. Foods dear to persons of passionate nature are too bitter, too sour, too salty or hot, too pungent, too dry, and too heating, such foods cause pain, sorrow, and illness. Dear to the ignorant are foods that are stale, tasteless, foul-smelling, or were cooked in the day before, remnants, and impure foods. That sacrifice which is in accordance with scriptural injunctions and faithfully performed by a person free from fruit of desire is sacrifice of the nature of goodness. But, O oh Know that sacrifice which is performed in fruit of expectation, as a display of pomp and grandeur, is sacrifice of the nature of passion. And the sacrifice which ignores the injunctions of the scriptures, which is performed without the distribution of foodstuffs, without uttering the appropriate mantras, without offering to the priests, and without faith, is known as sacrifice in ignorance. Worship of the deity, the Brahman, the spiritual master, and the enlightened soul, purity, simplicity, celibacy, and nonviolence, these all constitute austerity of the body. Speech which does not disturb others, which is truthful, pleasing, and beneficial, as well as regular recitation of the Vedas, all these are known as verbal austerity. Self-satisfaction, benevolence, stability, Mental control and pure heartedness are all known as mental austerity. When performed by a desireless, devout soul, with deep faith in the Supreme Lord, this threefold austerity of thought, word, and deed is the nature of goodness. The unenduring, transitory austerity, which is proudly performed for the sake of gain, worship, and fame, is known as austerity of the nature of passion. The austerity which is performed with dubious intent, causing self-torture or meant to harm others, is known as austerity of ignorance. The gift which is given without expectation of return, with the conviction that it ought to be given in an appropriate place and time and to an appropriate recipient, is the nature of goodness. Otherwise. The gift, begrudgingly given in expectation of gaining something in return or with a desire for reward, is considered to be passionate. The gift given disrespectfully and scornfully to an unworthy recipient
0: at an improper place in time is ignorant. The scriptures say that the word syndicate Brahma, the Supreme Spirit, At the time of the
1: universal manifestation, the Brahmins, the Vedas, and sacrifices were manifested by these three words. Thus the followers of the Vedas always utter the syllable representing Brahma, the Absolute, to indicate their prescribed duties of sacrifice, charity, and austerity. Persons aspiring for liberation utter the word representing Brahma, the Absolute to invoke the performance of various acts of sacrifice, charity and austerity without motivation for the results. O Partha, the word, representing Brahma, the Absolute, indicates the truth and persons dedicated to the truth. Therefore, the word is uttered to invoke the performance of auspicious activities. The word is said to indicate the eternality of sacrifice, austerity, and charity. An action for the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord is called truth. O Partha, sacrifice, charity, and austerity, or any action performed without faith in supreme is known as asat, or untruth. Such works cannot bring an auspicious result, either in this world or the next. Arjuna said, Almighty Lord, Slayer of the Demon Kesi, I wish to understand the subject of renunciation and detachment separately. The Supreme Lord said, Learned, enlightened persons know the giving up of fruit of action as renunciation, and the giving up of the fruits of all action as detachment. Some philosophers hold that action should be renounced as imperfect, Others hold that action is the nature of sacrifice, charity, and austerity should never be given up. Here, my perfect conclusion concerning detachment, the quality of renunciation, since, O oh best of men, it has been clearly established that the quality of renunciation is of three types. Actions of the nature of sacrifice, charity, and austerity should never be abandoned. They must be performed, for they are the purifiers of the wise. But even these actions must be performed, abandoning attachment and fruit of desire. Partha, know this to be my perfect, supreme conclusion. Renunciation of one's obligatory duties is wrong. The delusion of giving up these duties is called false renunciation, or renunciation of the nature of ignorance. One who abandons his obligatory duties out of fear of physical discomfort, considering them troublesome, performs renunciation of the nature of passion. Thus, he does not attain the fruit of true detachment. O Arjuna, performance of obligatory works as a matter of duty, while abandoning attachment and fruit of desire is renunciation of the nature of goodness. This is my opinion. The wise renunciate who is absorbed in the nature of goodness and who has slashed all doubts neither resents disagreeable duties nor is attached to agreeable works. It is not possible for the embodied soul to fully renounce actions. However, one who renounces the fruits of his actions is a true renunciate. After death, the three kinds of fruits of action good, bad, and mixed, accrue to those who have worldly desires, but never to those who are renounced. O mighty hero, know from me of the five causes of the accomplishment of all actions, as described in the conclusive teachings of the scripture known as Vedanta. All actions are accomplished by these five causes, the body,
0: the ego, the instrument of senses, the various endeavors, and the super-soul.
1: Whether lawful or unlawful, whatever action a man performs with his body, mind, or speech is caused by these five elements. But an ignorant person who sees only himself as the doer doesn't actually see, due to his impure intelligence. He who is free from egoism and whose intelligence is not implicated by inwardly action. Even if he kills the entire world, he neither kills nor is he bound by action. These three are the driving force of
0: action, knowledge, the knowable, and the knower. These three are the constitution of action, the instrument, the action, and the performer.
1: In the Vedanta scripture, knowledge, action, and the performer have each been classified according to the three modes of material nature. Now hear of these from me. That knowledge by one imperishable and undivided principle is seen to be present in all diverse living beings is to be known as the knowledge of the nature of goodness. That knowledge in which one experiences in the plane of living beings many separate entities engaged in many separate pursuits is known as knowledge of the nature of passion. And the ideology which is stubbornly attached to the peripheral only, considering it to be all in all, without spiritual or scriptural conception, without seeking the truth based on trivialities alone is said to be the animalistic nature of ignorance. That obligatory action, which is faithfully executed without attachment by a person who does not seek its rewards and who is unbiased by likes and dislikes, is said to be the action of nature of goodness. And that action which is performed with great endeavor by an egotistic person desiring its fruits, Is said to be the action of passion. And that work which is undertaken out of delusion, without consideration for its consequences, its loss, its harm to others, and one's capability of performing it, is called action of the nature of ignorance. The worker who is unattached, without ego, who is patient, enthusiastic, and unaffected in success or failure, is known as a worker. Of the nature of goodness. The worker who is attached, desirous of the fruits of action, covetous, cruel, engaged in abominable practices not sanctioned by the scriptures, and always subject to joy and sorrow, is known as a worker of the nature of passion. The worker who is uncontrolled, vulgar, arrogant, deceitful, offensive, lazy, despondent, and a procrastinator, is known as a worker of the nature of ignorance. O Dhananjaya, now listen attentively. I shall clearly describe the three types of intelligence and determination according to the modes of nature. O Partha, intelligence of the nature of goodness is that which can distinguish virtuous engagement and abstinence, duty and non-duty, danger and safety, and bondage and liberation. Intelligence of the nature of passion is that which causes an erroneous perception of religion, irreligion, duty, and non-duty. Intelligence by the nature of ignorance is covered by illusion, whereby vice is considered virtue, and everything is taken to be the opposite of reality. Determination of the nature of goodness Is that determination which unfailingly and with single minded concentration controls the function of the mind, the airs, and the senses? Determination of the nature of passion is that fruitive, attached determination which adheres to religiosity for the purpose of amassing wealth to fulfill mundane desires. Determination of the nature of ignorance. Is that by
0: which a foolish person does not give up sleep, fear, sorrow, depression, or arrogance. Now, hear from me about the three kinds of happiness that state
1: in which one is joyful through his practices while attaining the cessation of all unhappiness, in which the beginning is like poison, but ultimately like nectar, and which is born of the purity of self realization. The happiness is the nature of goodness. That happiness which is born of the contact of the senses with their objects, and which is like nectar in the beginning but poison at the end, is happiness of passion. The happiness that is self-deception from beginning to end, and which arises from sleep, laziness and illusion, is called happiness of ignorance. Amongst all species on earth, including the humans or amongst even the gods, there is no entity that can be free from all these three modes which are born of material nature. According to their natures, the duties of the Brahmins, the kshatriyas the Vasyas, and Sudras are appropriately classified. Internal and external sense control, austerity, Purity, forbearance, straightforwardness, knowledge, realization, and theistic mentality. These are the natural duties of the Brahmins. Prowess, valor, endurance, dexterity, the refusal to retreat in battle, generosity, and regality. Those are the duties of the warriors. Agriculture cow protection, and trade are the natural work of the Vaisyas. The natural to the Sudras is the service to the Brahmins, Kastriyas, and Vaisyas, assisting them in their various works. One who devotes himself to his own duty attains perfection in self-knowledge. Now hear from me how a person attains perfection through devotion to his own duty. A man achieves perfection by worshipping through his prescribed duties, the Supreme Lord from whom all beings originate, by whom all beings are engaged, and who pervades the entire universe. One's own duty, though imperfect, is better than another's executed well. Sin is never incurred by a man filling the duty prescribed according to his nature. Even though it may be imperfect, one should not give up the duty prescribed according to his nature. Verily, all action is covered by imperfection, as fire is covered by smoke. One who has the wisdom of detachment, who is self-controlled, and whose desires have gone, such a person attains the perfection of transcending all duties in the world by renouncing the fruit of his actions. Now hear from me in brief, how the person who has attained transcendence of
0: all duties reaches the transcendental plane of the Absolute, the ultimate state of knowledge. Endowed
1: with intelligence of the nature of goodness, mentally controlled through determination of the nature of goodness, rejecting the sense objects, abandoning attachment and aversion, free from the association of, of materialistic persons, a temperate eater, disciplined the body, mind, and speech, constantly absorbed in thought of God, and fully detached from the mundane world, giving up his ego, power, vanity, desire, anger, possessiveness, not thinking anything as mind, being at peace, such a person is qualified for this realization the joyful-hearted, enlightened soul who has attained his divine nature neither sorrows nor desires. Seeing all beings equally, he comes to attain transcendental loving devotion to me. Through this devotion, he realizes that I am the Lord of all potencies and the sweet absolute. Then, realizing his divine relationship with me, he enters the company of my intimate associates who are very non-different from my very self. Although ever active in all duties, those who have taken refuge in me attain, by my grace, the eternal, indestructible plane, wholeheartedly offering your every action to me, keeping me as the supreme objective and fully dedicating your intelligence to me by being ever devoted to me, giving your heart to me, you will be able to overcome all obstacles by my grace. But if out of pride you do not heed my words, you will perish. Out of pride you are thinking, I shall not fight. But your decision is in vain, for your nature as a warrior will compel you to fight. Being bound by the duty born of your nature, that very action which out of delusion you are now avoiding, will be executed by you inevitably. O Arjuna, the Supreme Lord is situated in the hearts of all beings, and by his deluding potency he causes them to revolve like puppets riding a carousel. Wholeheartedly surrender to him. By his grace you will attain the supreme peace and the eternal abode. I have now revealed more and more profound teachings to you. Duly consider this, and then do as you wish. Now again, hear my supreme teaching, the most hidden treasure of all. I tell you this for your benefit, as you are most dear to me. Think of me always. Devote yourself to me, worship me, and bow to me, and surely you will come to me. I promise you this because you are dear to me. Give up all kinds of irreligion and surrender to me alone. I will liberate you from all of your sins. Do not despair. You should never disclose this hidden treasure to one devoid of self-sacrifice, to the non-devotee, to the faithless, to one who is averse to my service, or to one who is resentful toward me. One who reveals the glories of this supreme secret to my devotees will attain transcendental devotion to me and reach me without doubt. In the entire human society, there is no one who pleases me by his actions more than he who preaches the glories. Nor will there ever be anyone in the world dearer to me than he. One who studies with devotion this holy conversation of ours Who worship me by the knowledge sacrifice. This is my conclusion. Simply by hearing this with an open heart, a faithful person is liberated and attains the auspicious abodes of the virtuous souls. O Partha, have you listened to this with your undivided attention? O Dhananjaya, are you now free from the darkness of your delusion? Arjuna said, O infallible one, by your grace, my delusion is gone. I remember who I am. My doubts are destroyed,
0: and I am firm in my resolve. I shall follow your world. Sanjaya said, Thus I heard
1: this wondrous conversation of the Supreme Soul and the son of Partha, Arjuna, which arouses ecstasy in the hearts of all. By mercy of the Lord I heard the supreme secret teaching of Yoga, sung directly by the Supreme Lord of Yoga, Lord Shri Krishna Himself. O King, ever remembering this miraculous sacred conversation of Lord Shri Krishna and Arjuna, my heart thrills over and over again, and remembering, O King, I marvel at the astonishing almighty universal form of the Lord, and my whole being thrills with ecstasy. When there is Krishna, and when there is Arjuna, the winner of wealth
0: with bow in hand, there prevails fortune, victory, prosperity, and virtue. This is my opinion. Thank you all for listening. That was the
1: entire Bhagavad Gita. 5,000 year old epic about Krishna and Arjuna. The whole story was told in three hours sung by Krishna in the middle of a battlefield. Everybody on both sides was confused as for three hours they had to wait for Krishna to sing this whole thing to Arjuna. I hope you all enjoyed this. I have deeply enjoyed it. I'm glad that Tristan was gone for the week that I got to read all of this. Thank you to Miss Ivy who stopped by to listen to this episode in real time? All of you who subscribe to the Patreon have that exact same benefit. Anybody who subscribes, even for like three bucks a month, you can come and listen to any one of our episodes whenever we're recording. And look out in a few days when me and Dorian of Dank Deleuze are going to be talking about this whole book. Should be out on Tuesday. Again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for
0: stopping by, and thank you all for taking part in JT Week, and I will see you all later. Goodbye.